You're listening to Osmoscope, the podcast that lets you dive into the marvelous world of olfaction. A space in Los Angeles' Chinatown, fully dedicated to exploring and experimenting with scents. Sounds like a dream. It's a dream come true. It's the Institute for Art and Olfaction. Come and meet Saskia Wilson-Brown, founder of this inspiring space that provides access to the world of sand to people around the globe. If you'd like to find out what film and perfume have in common, why setting up the Art and Affection Awards involved filling hundreds of decans in Saskia's kitchen, and why literally creating access to materials and sharing information is at the heart of Saskia's work, stay tuned. This conversation was recorded in 2018 when we met Saskia in Amsterdam at her Mediamatic pop-up studio close to the railroads. You might even hear the passing train in the background. It was our first take on Osmoscope podcast and a conversation that has changed the way we look at scent. It might change yours too. Saskia, tell us what does the Institute for Art and Affection do Maybe you can tell us a bit about why you founded it back in 2012. Well, I founded it because I, I found that there wasn't very much access to these materials and knowledge, uh, particularly in California, where I live. So materials, that is, raw like materials? Like the raw materials, the chemicals, you know, um, mm -hmm. you can, I mean, there was, there was access to, to it through people like Perfumer's Apprentice and Eden Botanicals and, you know, other places. But um, it wasn't widely understood how to, how to first of all, what, what these materials were, what is... An aromatic chemical. You know, people hear chemical, they, they get scared. But um, so, but mainly there was just no information about it that I could really access that felt um, consistent or clear or not filled with marketing language, mm -hmm. you know. And then also I sort of wanted to start working with scent as a, as a sort of extension of my, you know, as an artist sort of. I mean, I studied art. I considered myself an artist. I wanted to work with scent in the context of that, you know, and, right. and I found that the, when I was trying to learn about it, you know, either I got sort of sh shuttled into this sort of learn how to make your own bespoke perfume because you're worth it kind of stuff, or this sort of like exclusionary uh, narrative that, you know, if I was lucky enough to be accepted, I, I should be so grateful. And, you know, I just, Elitist. just yeah, elitism. Yeah. And I, fine. You know, there's a place for everything in this world. I don't, I don't, I don't mind it, but um, it just didn't felt, it didn't feel authentic or to me. You know, I just want facts, you know, I'm perfectly capable of making my own conclusions. So, yeah. so you as an artist, you found that there was no access for people like you who wanted yeah. maybe to create a new perfume. Yeah. Uh, there are suppliers of raw materials such as Perfumer's Apprentice, yeah. but it yeah. was hard for you to understand yeah. where to get what and what to get. Exactly. And, and I mean, it's also just a function of my own personality. Like I, I just need facts. I like facts. I like real facts, not, I don't, I'm allergic to marketing language. You know, it makes right. me, it makes me cringe. And, and so when people are saying, oh, you know, you can learn how to make your own exotic bespoke perfume just for you alone. And, you know, you'll be identifiable by your custom, whatever fragrance. And, you know, I just, I was just like, what the hell is this stuff? You know, just, just what I don't, it's hard for me to separate the information from that, from that language. Right. So anyway, in, in looking for these sort of resources, just for my own curiosity, I was also, you know, there's a couple different Genesis stories. The other one is that I was working on a movie 
about perfumery as a metaphor for the for the film industry, yeah. you know. Basically, I started looking for the resources and the information, and I wasn't finding it. And um, thank you, Peter has arrived. And so I said, well, okay, I could, you know, try to persuade, you know, these folks in wherever to to take me on as an apprentice, or I could try to, you know, apply to Glass Institute for Perfume or Isipka or whatever, whatever. You know, it didn't feel very real. Uh, I probably would never have gotten in. So Isipka is the uh, institute, uh, what is it again? Institut Supérieur du Parfum International, something, something. In Versailles. In Versailles, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great school, you know, and so is Glass Institute for Perfume. But also, you know, I was like... 30-something, and I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't about to pick up and move back to France, you know, to, to study perfume. I just, forget it, you know. Long story short, I, uh, I was like, all right, well, look, I'm a capable person, and it's, I'm in L.A., so space is cheap. I'll just start a space where, um, where I can start providing these materials, uh, and I can learn by helping other, learn, other people right. learn in a very egalitarian, fact-based environment, you know, and, and no pretense of knowing more than I do. So you see this need for more information and for access. Mm -hmm. You come from the film industry, mm -hmm. then you decide to create an open space. Yeah. What is the link between the film industry and, and what your experience space. and yeah. the open space? Well, so in trying to sort of gather information about perfume when I was when I first became interested, you know, I um and this is, you know, a truism in perfume. Perfume is elitist, perfume is exclusionary, you know, it's True, you know, it's 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 a cliche because there's truth to it. It's not an inclusive or open field. Yeah. So anyway, so trying to selfishly just learn as much as I could, I quickly found these factors were were a real thing. Um, and not that I have any right to information that isn't mine. It's not it's not an arrogance thing. It's just so well, I'm curious, man. You know, like what's yeah. the harm in that? And I'm I was an artist or I am and whatever I am. Um, anyway, long story short, I uh, I was working in, in in TV and film in a in a at this network TV network called Current TV run by Al Gore, and our whole mission at the network was to open up uh, media to outsiders to create a more you know de democratic media in, in line with the fact that Al Gore had lost the 2000 election to George Bush. He believed because um, the media had called the election early in Florida, and all the people who would have voted for him got discouraged and didn't bother to show up to the polls. That's how he believed. And that was Fox News. And, you know, there's all this yeah. politics to that. But so he started Current to sort of counterbalance that. And I was working at Current actively in the department that was core to, to that central mission. So I became a really big believer in access and in information, right. sharing stuff. And, and so when I hit the perfume world and I was like, oh, okay, you know, if the media is bad, there's just nothing compared to perfumery. So I started wanting to apply those those core beliefs that I had, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, to, to perfumery. That's sort of the political side of it. You know, that's that's my politics is, you know, we are entitled to be artists. If perfume is an art, then I'm sorry, we're entitled to it as humans. You know, yes. it's just a core egalitarian mission. You so know? What, is, yeah. what is the mission? I mean, The mission is, the... is to create access um, and uh, experimentation with the materials of perfume. It's very simple. But, but the, core, the core to that, again, is access, which means transparency or openness yeah. or sharing information. Uh, not other people's information, our own information that we've gathered, yeah, yeah. information that other people willingly share with us. And then experimentation. That's the other aspect of it is, you know, when I was trying to learn about this stuff, I'd get shuttled into these, again, these sort of narratives of like, oh, learn to make your own custom bespoke perfume because you're worth it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I don't want to make a nice, pretty perfume that makes me sexy. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't care, you know? Yeah. What I want to do is subvert and shock or, or at least think. You so know? you give a public access or access to, to people who normally do not have access to the, the materials, the world of yeah. fragrances. 
and uh, you do this through open sessions. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because it's the simplest thing we do, but it's sort of the most core thing we do is like we're doing it once a week where we just have a, a, an afternoon that's, that's open lab, really, and people can pay a, a small fee because you yeah. know, we're a nonprofit. We have to cover our costs. And they come and they just, it's very much my style. I'm just like, all right, go for it. You know, and they're just okay. like, what do I do? And I'm like, figure it out. <laughs> you know? So if I were to visit the open lab in LA, what would I find? You'd find a wall of materials, you know, in, in solution. You'd find two big, massive you know, stainless steel tables. You'd find all the lab where you need gloves and pipettes and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and you'd be told, all right, well, start smelling and okay. pick stuff you like and start assembling it yourself. And, and if you need advice or insight, you know, we're here to help, but go for it, you know. So I see a palette with... 400 bottles. 400 yeah. bottles. And, uh, and I just start blending. Yep. And the, the reason, uh, I mean, look, I've had a lot of people be like, that's, it's too loose. Like people need more direction. People need more structure. You know, we, we give that to in, in more formal classes, but the reason I, uh, I consciously chose to make it like a dive in situation yeah. is because there's a lot of artistry in perfume. There's a lot of knowledge, a lot of time, a lot of finessing, a lot of education that is needed and valuable and worth, yeah. worth studying. But that initial impulse, that you're interested in scent, you have this initial yeah. move towards making scent, I, like that just needs to be honored by trusting the person that they know what they're going to want to work with and they know what they're going to like. And I also have a very no-rules sort of mentality. Like there's all these structures in perfume. Okay, you need a top-middle base. You need a sort of traditional French uh, narrative around scent. You know, oh, ça doit être une histoire, on passe par là. Boy, puis après, blah, 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 it does have to have a story blah, blah, blah. and yeah okay. it's, mm -hmm. it's just it's overwrought and you know if you compare it to the art world you know where kind of anything goes as long the con as the concept is sound you know yeah. from from a materials perspective i'm sort of trying to apply that to scent where like look there's no rules here you can yeah. you can do what you want so who would be the typical if there is yeah a typical visitor of the open lab who would that be The, the ones that typically stick around are like the younger kids who are like sort of interested in scent, but they're more artistic or maybe they're like a musician or they're more they're maybe hip hop or whatever. Like we really try to cater to those people because like, you know, the Beverly Hills housewives are very well catered to, you know, they, they, they can go to France and do the week long course in class and right. feel like, okay, they're perfumers now. Fine. Great. They can afford it. But the people that can't, I mean, they're never going to have access to this stuff. Never, 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 never is some kid from like East LA going to have access to this right. stuff. Never. I cannot see a situation in which they'd come across it unless we were around. How do they learn about your institute? Typically word of mouth these days. Like, okay. I mean, we've gotten a lot of press, you know, through no particular effort, just because in LA it's so unique. People are really excited about it or were, you know, when we first started. Word of mouth, you know, people tell each their friends. You get waves of types of people that come through, like... Yeah, for a while we had this whole crew of people that just, they were all like hip hop kids all coming through for about right. six months, you know, and then, then we started working with this one kid from East LA actually, and then all his pals started coming in. So we get these cool waves of population that make their way through the Institute. It's awesome, you know, yeah. and I feel like I'm really getting to know the city of LA through the Institute. So when we met Saskia, that was a couple of years ago, and we met through... Essence, yeah. Essence. Every year in Milan, you announce the finalists of the Awards. award for art uh, and affection. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the award and yeah. its role in the realm of the institute. Yeah, of yeah. And so, so the institute's three core programs are access, you know, in education, experimentation, and advocacy. So the awards to me fall under the advocacy thing. The awards were not my idea. You know, Bruno Fazzolari, a friend of mine, a great perfumer emailed me one day. He said, hey, Saskia, like, what do you think about doing an awards mechanism? Because the Institute's, you know, 
neutral and yada yada and i was like yeah i don't think so man <laughs> sounds like a big headache which yeah. it, in fact it is but then the more i thought about it the more i thought actually it's not a bad idea because um if we're supporting or encouraging or creating access for artisan independent and experimental practitioners with scent um then those people are creating more and more stuff but then within that how are the people who are who are doing really excellent work ever going to get people's attention you know it's really tough unless they have big marketing budgets but again i'm allergic to that stuff so so then i started thinking about it well actually the awards would be a good way of helping and this is all in quotes cuz whose whose definition of good are we talking about you know that's another conversation yeah. but from the awards perspective uh, good quote unquote perfume or yeah. good work it needs celebrating and it needs encouraging and it needs supporting yeah so sort of that's what informed the awards that's why i decided to do them on bruno's suggestion yeah and the awards have become a pretty important part of what we do uh it's sort of despite myself you know because it's certainly it's not easy you know you're 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 disappointing people you're or you're responsible for a mechanism of disappointment you know for those who don't win or? for those who don't win yeah or for those who don't make the finals or for those who who you know think they should win yeah yeah it's yeah. you know you're dealing with a lot of uh artists you know yeah. which means you're dealing with a lot of insecurities and personalities and expectations and even in some cases entitlement and you know managing all that is is uh it takes a lot of um sangfroid you know yeah. you know, just be cool and, cool. and, cool and empathetic and understand that if you're getting that angry email it's not about you it's 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 about the structure you know um, yeah. that doesn't work for that person having said that you know since i started the structure it's hard to separate that a little bit you know i'm very ambivalent about the awards on the one hand i love them i love the community around them and i think that the people who have won or been finalists have, have benefited from them uh i think it's great to have everyone come together once a year it's like a nice it's a great chance to see your friends you know yeah. it's like it's yeah. fun yeah. yeah on the flip side you know i'm not a, i'm not an absolutist i don't think things are good or bad i don't believe that you know i think some things are not for me or some things are not for you in terms of the juice itself saying okay my nonprofit is putting its support behind this one perfume because it won the awards right. is something that i have a hard time with um just because it implies not because the things that have won aren't amazing but it implies that the things that haven't won aren't amazing and they okay. are amazing like it's yeah. all it's all there's great work everywhere yeah. so it's yeah it's basically i've created a mechanism for exclusion I know it is a huge operation, you know, in terms of the scope. Yeah. It's a worldwide contest or yeah, competi yeah, competition. Is, yeah. The judges come from all over the world. Yeah. 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 Also, the the participants yeah. send in their stuff from, from all, all over, over the, the world. world. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the dimensions. You know, the scope of of the awards process. Yeah. And about the process itself, because yeah. it is it tries to be based best, on objective yeah, as rules, best as, oh, right? Uh, but it, it yeah. does so. You know, and, and it is a very transparent. Um, I, we definitely, I definitely try. I mean, it's it's uh, my my. I mean, it's it's tricky because like I I know who I am. You know, I know that I'm I'm I, I have many flaws. You know, don't get me wrong, but I do know that I'm I'm fair. I'm straightforward. You know, I, yeah. I try to be fair to everybody. You yeah. know, and I, I think the awards I, I've set them up in a way that I think reflects that. But listen, you know, I mean, it's it's a, it's a beast. It's hard, you know. First of all, you're dealing with 31 judges. And they all disagree with each other in in the real world, you know. Yeah. And you're somehow trying to corral all these people and have them come to a place where they're not I mean, everyone has bias. It's it's that's why you're judging. You have your own expertise that you're calling into question and that could be called bias or it could be called expertise, whatever it is, but people come with their perspectives. There's no avoiding that. But I try to set up these we tried to set up these judging structures that sort of 
mitigate that by saying, look, you may hate, like, let's say a gourmand, you might hate the gourmand category. No problem, man. You have a right to hate the gourmand category by all means. However, in the context of judging the awards, I don't give a shit if you hate the gourmand category. Yeah. You know, okay. like that you are judging that for itself as a pure expression of creativity. And within these four or five rules, four rules that we have, the four judging categories, or, you know, which is first impressions, dry down, uh, intention, which is if it matches the creative brief, you know, if somebody says it's a gourmand, but it smells like a, an eau de cologne, you, you know, okay, there's some disconnect between intention and practical ca- capacity. Yeah. And then the, the last category, I think we actually removed this last year is X factor, which is like, does it have a little something, you know? Right. Point being, we, we create these very structured judging, uh, structures um in order to help counterbalance those implicit biases that judges yeah. come to with come with to the awards the other thing is i mean and i know this is not exactly secret but like it is um it is anonymous you know we people have come to me saying it's not really anonymous i know you're lying actually in fact it really is fucking anonymous like okay. and i know this because i literally decant all those fucking submissions into vials and attach numbers and edit all the 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 you know, I, I do it myself with, with my with my pals. My friends come yeah. and volunteer their time for about three months. Like, all my friends are like, okay, once a week I got to sit at Saskia's living room table and decant juice and label it, you know. And, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous undertaking, yeah. you know, and all yeah. my friends yeah. are sick of it, and I'm sick of it. But but the result is that it is anonymous, you yeah. know, which, yeah. which I think is it's, it's just the fundamental, um, it's the fundamental cause for fairness, really, you know. So, so you have four categories, you said? So there's artisan. Uh, which you know has been very tricky to define, but over the years we came to define it as a company where the person who wrote the formula owns the company. Um, now, if the formula is compounded by an external lab, no problem. As long as you have the right to that formula and you wrote that original formula, you're artisan. Mm-hmm. A lot of people squawk about that. Well, no, you need to be making it yourself in your kitchen or in your lab or da-da-da. But yeah. the reason we came to that slightly looser definition is because in the U.S. and in Europe there's different regulations And in Europe, um, you know, you, some, uh, most people need to go through an external compounding lab just to make sure that it's regu- it fits the regulations, you yeah. know. So what we were finding was the European artisan practitioners were being um, sort of shunted into the independent category because of this one technicality, you know what I mean, which, yeah. which uh, they felt was unfair and I agreed was unfair because if they're writing the formula, you know. Anyway, that's how we came to define it. There's differences in how people define artisan depending on where you go. And I've heard them all. I've heard every yeah. single variation, you know. So that's that. The independent category is pretty straightforward. It's like you, Hario, decide to start a fragrance brand and you want to hire somebody, let's say, Luca Maffei or, you know, uh, Cecile Zerokian or, yeah, um, yeah. To, to make the perfume. That's, you know, it's, it's basically an external perfumer or someone who's even on staff but isn't the ownership in the right. company. Experimental is really... Anything goes. It has to be something that's not intended for traditional fragrance sales, counter-based fragrance sales, yeah. unless that's an installation of some sort. So the experimental category has really become about olfactory art, so-called olfactory art, even though it wasn't really intended that way. It was meant to just honor people who were working with scent in strange ways, not even art necessarily, yeah. but that's sort of what it's become. And then we just added the Aftel Award for Handmade Perfume which was our way of sort of honoring the North American artisan practice, which is really literally like You have your own space. You're making every bottle by hand. You're labeling that thing by hand. I mean, not necessarily. That's not part of the rules, yeah. but typically, 
Um, and that's, you know, also um, in line with Mandy Aftel's practice, because she's really a leader, a thought leader, at least on the West Coast, you know. Yeah. Um, she's well, a perfumer. I, yeah, she's a perfumer food. based in Berkeley who wrote quite a few books. She's quite, quite, quite talented woman. Um, and she has a very specific perspective about what it is to be an artisan, right. uh, which, which I say is a perspective that she has successfully propagated across at least North America. Yeah. And also, you know, globally to a certain degree, but really the North America is like the hub of that sort of practice. So you have those submission categories that focus on, um, on fragrances. Yeah. But then you have this ex experimental... Uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the categories. So the experimental, the Sadakichi Award. Sadakichi Award. That's the experimental category, exactly. sort of the so same. Which, yeah. is, which is not fragrance. Not necessarily, yeah. It's, not I mean, the it's same about way. scent, right? It's about, it's about, yeah, it's about concept even it's right. yeah i mean we've had submissions where there's been no scent included i mean because because they use for instance this the scent of the city as a part of their art piece or you know right, right. um so yeah that that's really it's a really interesting category first of all it's interesting to judge because you know you get these things that are sent into you they're like pieces of paper you get like i don't know a shoe you know it's like this yeah. really bizarre objects that come to you and they're aromatic things and you're like how am i going to get this to the seven judges all around the world so there's like there's a technical yeah, challenge yeah. there but also It's also my favorite category because it's so open-ended. Speaking of scent and then smells in general, what role did they play before you started the institute? Started the institute? What role does it play now? Uh, since starting the institute, obviously, I've gotten to know a lot of perfumers, a lot of people in the perfume community. I've became friends. I've started caring about them as human beings, as people, and therefore it follows that I totally care about the work. You know, because yeah. they're my friends, they're or even my enemies. You know, not that I have any, but even the people that aren't so nice to me or I don't yeah. like very much or whatever, I still give a shit because they're people I know and. And I, and I, you know, I want them to succeed, and and so I, so I start following the work quite closely, and I've become naturally a fan, you know, just yeah. through through knowledge. Become through knowledge, you get attached, you know. So I'm attached to perfume now as as a concept. I'm attached to the materials. I'm attached right. to certain compositions, and yeah. I'm, atta I'm certainly attached to the people. How did you do it? You know, obtain the acceptance of the judges. Well, I didn't give world. a shit. I mean, that's the trick, Harry. Is I came to this from film and TV. I could give two shits about who thinks what about me. You know what I mean? That that's that was the thing. It was the key. Yeah, it was the key. And I also I was super naive. You know, I was like, I don't know. I'll just do this thing. It'll be great. You know, I, yeah. I don't care if IFF you know doesn't want to support me or if like if you know uh, Luca Turin says something mean about me. You know, or if you know some perfumer in Paris thinks I suck. You know. Right. And that's the advantage of, of, I mean, now I do, you know, now they're my friends. So now I give very much of a shit. <laughs> But when I started, I mean, who are these people? I, they have nothing to do with my world. I have my own heroes, you know, yeah. they're art heroes, they're film heroes. Like the perfume industry meant nothing to me. And that meant that I, there was, I literally wouldn't have occurred to me to give a shit if they didn't right. like it. So that was clearly an advantage. So By far. And it, it always is when you yeah. don't care, you're always at an advantage, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, now, Also, the naivete thing needs to be touched on because I was also extremely naive, you know. I'm less naive now, obviously, because I know more about it. But I was like, I read one book, you know. I read The, the, the Emperor of Scent by Chandler Burr about Luca, you know, right. who's become a, a, a friend, you know. But, yeah. And I was like, wow, I get it. I'm going to change, you know, I'm going to do stuff and blah, 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 and I'm going to create an alternative. And, you know, they're all going to be so grateful or whatever, you know. I was, I was just... It's not even that they're going to be grateful. I just it didn't even occur to me to think about how anyone would react, you know. And yeah. first, I started getting these emails from people. I didn't know who they were, you know. I started getting emails from people who are important in the perfume industry, saying, you know, either like, "Dear Saskia, like, well done, so proud of you," you know, signed whoever, 
you know, with a clear expectation that I'd be like, oh my God, your approval means so much to me. And I'd be like, okay, thanks man. You know, whoever you are, you know, yeah. you know, or, or I get emails from people saying like, you know, have you thought about what you're doing? You're subverting in it. You know, you're not even subverting your, 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 you know, people make a living from this stuff. Like how, how dare you, you know, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. I also came from film where like there's a bajillion filmmakers, there's a bajillion film festivals, there's a bajillion TV networks, there's a bajillion YouTube channels. Coexisting. I mean, like, coexisting quite well. And some people succeed, some people fail. It's just not an issue. You know? yeah. So it just never occurred to me. I mean, really looking back, like silly, you know, naive. But I mean, thank God, you know, otherwise I never would have done it. Yeah. You know, you know, I would have been paralyzed by criticism or fear of criticism. Yeah. You are in Amsterdam right now, now. Mm -hmm. for an entire month. Mm -hmm. What do you do here? We got connected with Mediamatic through Caro Verbeek and Clara Ravat, who have an ongoing partnership with, with Mediamatic. Um, Caro Verbeek curates the Odorama series here, and she's a wonderful person and a really good, just a great person. And Clara Ravat was the artist in residence here for, for a year. So they connected me to, to the people here at Mediamatic, Willem and Jans, who run it. And uh, we did initially a first program, I think last January, this hackathon with okay. Clara and Caro. And then uh, Willem and Jan sort of said, hey, well, what if you came and did a residency or a pop-up, you know? Right. And since, since I, it's not me, I, you know, Saskia is not the, art, the Institute for Art and Olfaction. I'm, I'm, I'm the founder, and I, I, I work on it all the time, but there's a whole collective of people involved in this thing. There's Kendra and Julianne and Maxwell and Minetta and Jeff, and, you know, there's a whole Ashley, there's a whole crew of folks. So, you know, doing an artist residency, you know, I don't consider myself an individual artist. It's sort of a collective. If we're to be seen as artists, which maybe is questionable, uh, it would be a collective group. So I said, well, what if we did a, a like a pop-up and we did sort of programming like we do in L.A., but in Amsterdam, which I've been wanting to do anyway. Mm -hmm. I've been looking at Berlin, actually. I've been really interested right. in Berlin. Um, but the opportunity came up and, you know, yeah. when an opportunity comes up, you say yes, you know, so that's why we did it. And then with Mediamatic, we developed all this program. Around it, yeah. So the program includes the open lab sessions. So open labs, open sessions. A radio show. A radio show, which is written and hosted by Maxwell Williams, who's on the board of the institute and a journalist in his own right. Uh, and then actually, we're also we've launched. We're launching the something that's really the next big thing that I really care about. That's the uh, open sourcing smell culture initiative, and it continues my interest in access and you know systems systems of access and. I've come to realize several things about the fragrance industry, uh, namely that a lot of the research, the, uh, the historic research that happens gets stuck really quickly because people aren't sharing information. Right. They're not sharing old formulas. They're not sharing basic historical facts. You know, it's all very secret. And in right. perfume, there is no public domain. There's no tradition of, of considering things as public domain. And my, the reason I think this is fundamentally wrong is that if you think that, as many people say, Perfume is an art. Perfume is an important heritage, blah, 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 blah. Okay, share it, man. Every other art is shared. Why not perfume? And part of that has to do with the sort of hoarding of secrets and formulas. And, and I, again, I understand why, you know, people are just protecting themselves, which is normal. I do it too, you know. But if we create a structure that's safe and that protects them so they can relax a little bit, then I think we'll, we'll get somewhere. So that's sort of what we're working on. On a more general level, so apart from the perfumes, in a general sense, what can scent bring to society, in your yeah. view? There is something about scent, and I, what I've come to maybe believe is that scent, the reason I find it interesting is it touches on everything, you know? Yeah. On uh, history, on access, on politics, on ecology, sociology, 
religion. It's all touched by scent, like any other sense. But scent is somehow deeper for me, more uh, intimate, maybe. So I think in that sense, that once you start getting into scent, you really enrich your life because it, it's, it's, it's a way of, it's a bridge to all these other amazing things. You know, and you can start studying society through the lens of scent, and that's increasingly what I've become really interested in. But tell me a little bit more about this. So, so how can you study society through the lens of scent? scent? Well, I mean, if you start looking into the history of, of scent usage in society, you start to see a lot of interesting social trends or, or even, you know, population trends, you know. Yeah. I mean, for instance, if you look at the history of scent in Christianity, you know, like obviously the early Christians were, were you know, Israel, modern day Israel, and there was these religious practices with scent in the temples and, you know. But then the later Christians, by which I mean 200 AD-ish, sort of were really reacting against pagan practices. Right. So the Romans and the Greeks who used a lot of scent. So they really barred scent from Christian practices up until Emperor Constantine who brought yeah. it back in. You know, and started putting scent in the churches, and of course that continues to today. And there's these right. perceptions of good scent is holy and bad scent is evil, and it ties into medicine. Yeah, it's okay. fascinating stuff. You yeah. know, like you can really go deep into the rich tapestry of his yeah. history of humanity when you start studying it through scent. Can you please tell us a scent that is underrated? Oh, that's a good question. Underrated smell. Wow. Okay, I'll tell you what I think is underrated. It's more of a scent type. It's a, it's it's sort of the everyday common people perfumes, you know, like the the shitty stuff you buy at the drugstore and you're like, "Eh, this is crap," you know. I think those those things are underrated. And this isn't something that occurred to me. My friend James McHugh, who's a professor in LA uh, at USC, brought this to my attention. He's like, "Think of the botanicas in LA, these these shops that cater to sort of magical witchcrafty kind of stuff, mostly to the Mexican Guatemalan populations. They're smelling, they're selling all these oils in there, you know, and you go in, you're like, oh, this is crap. This is crap, you know? Yeah. And then you think about it. Actually, these things have real meaning, way more meaning than my mom's Chanel number no. five, you know, to quote an archetype. Like, They, they have real meaning because everyone's placing their hopes and dreams on these little bottles of oils that they're using yeah. in their ceremonies. And, you know, it's, it's almost just like a continuation of aphrodisiacs and things like that. Okay. But the smells themselves are like, you know, they're not, you know, the greatest thing, you know, since yeah, life yeah. spread. They're, they're pretty, you know, chemical generic smells yeah. that they're selling. But they have so much meaning to these people. Like, that is underrated. Right. The stuff that people turn their nose up at is low quality, but actually carries meaning. Real yeah. meaning. Uh, yeah, that's my answer. That's beautiful. Thank Thanks, you man. so much, Saskia. <laughs> Thank you, Harry. Thank you for listening to Osmoscope today and for joining our conversation with Saskia Wilson-Brown. Now, with the coronavirus being around, the Institute for Art and Olfaction has taken to offering online classes definitely worthwhile checking out. You can learn more about them and the Institute's latest program at artinolfaction.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and spread the news. Thank you.